Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank my listeners, John, uh, who come literally from around the world. We see more and more people joining us from uh, even some of the Eastern uh, countries, uh, China, Japan. And I thank all of you guys who tune into this podcast. We've been on the air um, over 10 years uh, with in excess of 625. I told John just now that this was my 625th podcast. And today, joining me from Los Angeles is actually a fellow classmate of mine at the uh, University of Santa Monica. We graduated in the same class together. And I'm really pleased to be interviewing him about his new book called Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career Over 50. We're on with John Tarnoff. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. It's pleasure to reconnect with you and to be on your show. Well, it's a pleasure having you on, and obviously your topic is uh, very timely. Uh, you know, we've got a merging of, if you look at boomers and millennials and the Gen Z, I just did an interview with a father and son team on Gen Z. Most people aren't even aware <laughs> about Gen Z, right. Uh, right. but the reality is we have all these identities that we like to put on people. And obviously the boomer generation is one that's gotten a, a big identity put on them a long time ago and probably first. Um, over 50, uh, need to keep working, not planning to retire, then John says this book is for you. Um, obviously it is. Also, I want to mention there's a free download of a chapter. And John also has some boomer reinvention worksheets at the website that you should check out as well when you do that. Um, so let's get into this, John. I'm going to tell him a little bit about you. He's a reinvention career coach, speaker, author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. Uh, fired 39% of the time over a 35-year career as a Los Angeles film-based producer, studio executive, tech entrepreneur, he reinvented himself at 50, going back to school to get his counseling degree in spiritual psychology, as we both did. In 2013 to 19, he served as the head of the show development for DreamWorks Animation, developing cultural changing creative leadership training and college recruiting programs. Currently, in addition to his coaching speaking practice, he runs the Los Angeles-based Entertainment Industry Management Master's Degree Program for Carnegie Mellon University. Well, John, you've got an impressive uh, background, and it's good to speak with you. And you write in the introduction that you were invited to do this TED Talk and that this was really the talk that kind of shaped your current personal career shift. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background about, you know, why that and another speech that you did prior to that, that um, Ariana Huffington, due to do, I think it was, or somebody, uh, why those, those two really got you thinking really strongly about your own career shift? Well, I, I really wasn't thinking about doing this as a, as a practice at the time. Uh, this is 2012. Um, I had... Uh, come out of a long career in entertainment, uh, primarily as a studio executive. I call myself a recovering studio executive because you never quite have, kind of get the entertainment business out of your blood. And uh, uh, so after my stint at DreamWorks Animation, which was a phenomenal uh, opportunity and one where I had really pivoted from my 
primary career focus or my old career focus, which was really on content and um, and production, and really as a result of the of the master's degree program, which you and I did at USM, began to think more about people and people development. And so when I got to DreamWorks, I found myself drawn into helping them with programs that really were much more about education and training and, uh, and people development, which really defined my role there uh, for the, for the you know, most of the 2000s that I was there. And then when I left, uh, I, I quite naturally gravitated into the education world, and that's how the Carnegie Mellon gig came up and uh, but I, I think uh, the boomer thing happened because I was I was reading about the aftermath of the recession and how decimated our real estate values and our personal savings retirement savings were from the recession and a lot of people were really buffeted about quite badly uh, in this the, uh, the in, in the in the boomer demographic uh, people were out of work for Ever it seemed who had a really hard time uh, getting back to work, and people who were taking early retirement uh, and filing early for Social Security because they just, you know, couldn't get a job. And I thought, what is this about? And what kind of a situation are we in? And, and if if low returns are the new normal on investments, and we've lost a lot of our investment, then how are we going to survive? Well, we're going to have to keep working. And around this time. Uh, people who were organizing at TEDx in Long Beach, people at the Long Beach Community Foundation, for whom I had spoken previously, asked me to speak at this, at this uh, uh, event, and I uh, asked them if I could talk about the boomer generation because it was, a, it was a growing focus for me. And that's where I came up with this idea of the five career reinvention steps, which ultimately led into developing my coaching practice, and from there, uh, the book. Well, and obviously the book, it's really well done. I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. You know, you just talked about this whole decimated financially situation with the recession of 2008. And yes, and obviously, you know, many people have made a a comeback financially from, from that era of time that we're in. What advice do you have for the baby boomers that are faced with tough financial times and are hoping to secure uh, some kind of new future for themselves. Um, right, obviously, right. you and I know going through the course that you know this creates a tremendous amount of depression and angst. Um, what, what advice would you give them? Well, the, the first thing that I would I would say to people uh, is to begin planning early. Do not defer this. Uh, get out of denial about the situation because sooner or later, if you are over fifty today, and this is now extending. Uh, beyond the boomer generation into the older uh, Gen X uh, folks, uh, the way American and I would think global uh, business is set up today is really so unstable and so volatile that everyone is at risk of losing their job. Um, Younger generations are dealing with this uh, in their own way. Um, whole separate conversation. I have tremendous empathy for what's going on for you know, people in their in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. But uh, if you have a number of decades under your belt, um, you are you're kind of up against the wall, really. Uh, I'm not telling you anything new, 
Um, in terms of thinking about, well, what am I going to do uh, when I get into my 60s and 70s? How am I going to survive? It is possible. It is doable um, to pick yourself up in your 50s and hopefully while you are still employed at your, uh, at your current job, begin to envision and work towards developing the second act career that you can jump to and make a transition to. If you are already out, then you really owe it to yourself to not waste any time in doing a real deep dive into figuring out what you can do for the future uh, that is going to have to be more entrepreneurial because it's increasingly difficult, and this is across all generations, to get hired in a job. Uh, there's a lot of ageism out there. I will not uh, sugarcoat it. Uh, and that does make it difficult. But I believe, and this is, I'm sorry to be so long-winded about this, but I believe that by engaging in the kind of self-reflective, deep-dive process that I advocate in the book and uh, really figure out what it is that really appeals to you about working and where you can provide value and uh, what's going to get you up in the morning, uh, that you can network your way to a new career that is going to sustain you well into your 60s and probably into your 70s, if not beyond. Yeah, and as you say, network your way. It is going to take a lot of connections and a lot of opportunities to go out there and 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 move around and let your name be known, let people know what your talents and skills are. And that leads me to this, you know, this next question, which comes really right out of Brooke. You mentioned that the key paradigm of reinvention is not to find out what job or business you can fit into out there. In other words, don't just go back out again and go, okay, I'm going to get another job and I'm going to file the resumes with these uh, these computers that actually have uh, algorithms in them to determine if I'm qualified or not. But it's about figuring out what job or business is already inside you aching to come out and play. How is it that you help through your coaching program, this book, your website, things that you're doing to help boomers find what it is that's inside of them expressing to, to come out. Right. Well, I'll just kind of quickly go through the five steps that I believe are really necessary for this kind of a reinvention to take place. The first step, and, and I know you wanted to talk about this today as well, is this concept of reframing. Uh, not a unfamiliar concept, but I think if we're going to start to pivot to something different. We have to be willing to look at everything from a fresh perspective. So reframing is this idea that you're going to question uh, all of the belief systems that don't work for you any longer uh, and the, the ideas that are holding you back. So if you find yourself saying, oh, I'm not the kind of person who can do this, or, oh, well, that's not the way things work, or you don't understand, I have all this experience, blah, blah, blah. Stop and take a good long look at what you're saying and what is behind that because you may find that what you're saying is not true. I was talking to a woman yesterday, as a matter of fact, who was talking about doing a reinvention. She was, she was you know, consulting with me to see if she wanted to go into a, a coaching program with me. And I, she said something about, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a writer. And because uh, I was talking to her about how important it is for people at this point in their lives to exercise a little bit of thought leadership and to be willing to blog about their ideas and to connect out into the community and, and make themselves known 
by what they're saying and their thought leadership. And I said, what makes you think that you're not a writer? And she said, well, I've worked with writers uh, all my life, and my husband's a writer. And, and uh, essentially what she was saying was, those are real writers. I'm not a real writer. And I said, you don't have to be the same kind of writer that these other people are. There are lots of different kinds of writers. Uh, what you are is an expert in your field. And I'm just saying you need to express that. So that's one little example of how a reframe can really open up all sorts of new possibilities for you, which you felt were holding you in. And then, you know, the second and the third steps really are about going out to get feedback from people who you know and who trust and who know you and give you a different perspective on who you are and what you can do. And then to accept all of the bad stuff that's happened in the past, whether you caused it or someone else caused it, you don't want to be running around with all this bad karma, bad juju uh, hanging over you because you're going to bring it into any meeting that you have that is about your future, whether it's an investor interview or a job interview. You don't want them to go away going, well, it's an interesting guy or gal, but there's something about them I just don't know if I trust them or they don't seem completely um, clear about what they want to do. Anything from your past that is going to make you hesitate at all in those meetings, you've got to clear it. And then this gives you the opportunity to start fresh, get into the last two steps, which, the, which are the fun steps, what I call expressing and connecting, which is about workshopping that career inside you, using all sorts of behavioral tools, mind mapping, vision boards, uh, living visions, uh, affirmations, um, keeping a daily journal to track your progress, uh, and then going out into the world to connect the way connection is done today. You know, 85% of jobs are filled by referrals. They're not filled by resume submissions. So you want to be developing an active network of people who can refer you, who support you, who know you, who understand what you're about, who get you, and are going to connect you to the people who go, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? You've got to come in and help me solve the problem. Yeah, most definitely. And that, that leads into your uh, statement about thinking of ourselves, anybody who's in the boomer stage, as a consultant delivering some value versus rather just an employee working under the direction right. of a supervisor. What advice do you have for uh, the boomers out there about delivering the highest value to their clients? You tell a great little uh, story about the accountants who became called themselves the cliff jumpers. Sure. Um, well, this, so, goes, this goes yeah. to the idea of, of the hourly wage and how our, our economy and our culture has been so tied to this industrial era model. And I'm just, I'm just reflecting what's going on out in the world that we are, we are necessarily shifting to a more value-driven economy where it's not about how many hours you put in, about whether you're clocking in at nine and clocking out at five. I mean, in a virtual world, you can work from anywhere at any time and deliver the value. And that's really what you have to focus on. It's not about you know clocking in and and uh, and just and just showing up. Uh, it's really about being much more strategic and understanding that uh, that you know your livelihood uh, depends on the kind of transformation that you can help affect for someone, whether it is a boss or a client. And that's why I throw out this line about about uh, thinking of yourself as a consultant, even if you're working in house. Um, because effectively, even if you're if, even if you're getting a W two at the end of the year, uh, you know they can get rid of you at any moment uh, if you're not performing up to up to par. So you need to be very engaged in making sure that every day you are on track, on message, on point 
about the value that you're providing. And, and this is where reinventions can take place within companies. You don't have to necessarily leave your company to reinvent your career. You could sit down with, uh, with your management and say, look, um, I'm seeing things around the company here that, that could, uh, could you know, stand some improvement, and I think I can help. I think I know what to do, and here's a proposal that I've been thinking about uh, that could, uh, could really make things change around here and, and, uh, and change for the better. So uh, that really is the, uh, uh, the bar that has been raised for all of us and it's not just boomers, it's everyone in the economy, uh, about uh, being a much more strategic participant and, um, and leader uh, in any of our jobs. Well, you know, one of the things that you speak about is that false expectation appearing real and the word fear in the book. And, you know, there is for many people who've been W-2 employees or worked in, a, as we say, kind of uh, the defined environment, uh, versus entrepreneurship, which is a lot more flowing and open, and um, they've got to be they've got to be quick on their feet. You mentioned that in every generation, we're seeing the evolution of more entrepreneurs and freelance workers, obviously, and that we don't need to be afraid of becoming an entrepreneur. What advice would you give to our listeners out there that are listening to our show now about not being afraid or somehow removing the fear? of breaking out of that current mold they're in and into a, a new mold. I know you've got some worksheets in the book, you've got some worksheets yep. at the website, but at the core essence of this, um, many people and even my listeners who've listened to me for years, this is a topic that comes up again and again, John, is just this, this fear um, yep. and it always is false, but it is a tough one to break. It's real. I, I, I completely appreciate it. Um, Someone, well, not someone, many people have asked me the question, so you, you've been fired 39% of the time in your career. Uh, you, you've had to come back from these setbacks. Does getting fired ever get any easier? And my answer is that it doesn't get easier. Uh, and the, the pain is the same. The sense of loss, rejection, um, the, the, this kind of disconnection and uh, sense of, Floating in the void, the sense of oh, I'll never work again. Uh, you know, I'm I'm lost. It's over. Uh, it happens every time. But what I have found over the years is that as I've figured out some of the tools that are necessary to get through it, uh, I I just default down to to getting busy and and digging my way out of it. So my message here really is to separate the fear and the anxiety. Um, from the situation and the opportunity and uh, to appreciate that the fear is a real feeling, whether you know that it is a false expectation of doom or not, it is a real feeling. And the good news is for all of us who are over 50 is we've survived up to this point through many trials and tribulations, whether we've been fired from a job or not. Um, we've got a lot of life experience under our belts. Uh, there's no reason to expect that we won't be able to survive this and to prevail. And you know, for what it's worth, just a, a, a fun little stat, um, the uh, Kaufman Foundation in Kansas City that tracks entrepreneurship 
uh, has a very famous stat about the fact that older entrepreneurs are twice as successful as younger entrepreneurs in starting successful businesses. So there is some intrinsic value to you having survived all of this stuff that you've been through. And you're going to be able to apply that to this next act, whatever it is. Well, I like your advice because you're basically telling people that the movement, just the fear fact of just getting up, going out and doing something, it eliminates the inertia. Usually what happens to people when they have that fear grip them is tremendous amount of inertia, a tremendous amount of confusion. And that's great advice that you're giving them. You just have to start somewhere and you've actually got to make that click. Um, you know, and, and you help yourself explore what's inside yourself. Look at some deep questions right. and start to do some investigation and research yeah. and, you know, look around because that's what it's going to require. You have a whole section in the book about research. Now, you have lots right. of great reinvention stories that exemplify what can be done when someone takes risks. As a matter of fact, I don't know how many there were in that chapter, but there's quite a few. And, and one that kind of caught me was this Judy Contreras' story. Uh, it was right. pretty interesting. Can you use her story as just an example? And for my listeners out there, John's probably put 10 stories in there uh, about people that have reinvented themselves. Well, Judy was a woman that I connected to actually on LinkedIn uh, who had been an HR executive for well over 20 years. Um, this is someone who was very independent, uh, who uh, was... Uh, you know, very kind of driven to get out of the house and start her own career and kind of fell into HR uh, in her 20s, coming out of uh, working in financial services and, and sales, and um, got into trouble in the recession um, in the mid to late 2000s uh, as she was uh, uh, Going, she went, found herself going from company to company and being asked to do things that she didn't want to do. She really always saw herself as an advocate for the employee, and and management was was pulling bad moves. And she finally decided, when her last uh, uh, what became her last uh, gig as an HR director ended, that she was going to do something different. And what I love about her process was that she was very methodical about this and very smart. And she did a lot of planning around this. She initially thought that she was going to get into a franchise business. So she started to look at franchises. She worked with a franchise broker. And then she began to realize, and this is really key, she began to realize that maybe doing this kind of franchise business was not right for her. She didn't see herself... Uh, kind of turning the lights on in the shop in the morning and turning them out at night and, and having those employees. And uh, it just seemed less and less viable for her. She went to the, the, uh, um, uh, the Small Business Association, the SBA, and uh, uh, they have a really good service. They will, uh, they will hook you up with a, with a business coach uh, for a period of time to help you define the small business that you want to, to launch. And this was a great process for her because she had she found someone who was who was uh, who understood her who she could bounce things off of and what she kind of came to with the business coach was that what she really wanted to do was to be the franchise business broker the person that she had hired to or was working with 
to find the franchise business. She went to this guy and she says, I really want to do what you do, which was a little bit of a shock for him, apparently. Uh, but uh, he actually helped her get the training that she needed so that she could become a, a franchise business broker. But then her business coach worked with her to make sure that she realistically planned for the first 18 to 24 months of her business. She had enough money in the bank. She had, uh, um, you know, made the economies necessary to survive. Uh, he helped her project out what her earnings uh, would be over that period of time, which turned out to be very accurate. Uh, and so, you know, she's now about two or three years into it. She's doing well. The first year uh, was kind of a break-even year. Uh, she didn't uh, make much money, but she didn't lose anything, and she gained herself some traction. Second year was a lot better, and the third year she's apparently on track to do really, really well. So, you know, um, a, a wonderful story of someone who kind of came back from adversity and uh, and and found themselves in a new career. Well, that's what I like about uh, your book, Boomer Reinvention. You have put in some wonderful stories uh, for people. And it always makes it real when there's some stories in there. And, you know, speak with the listeners, if you would, about the boomer reinvention sequence and this blueprint for career re uh, reinvention. Um, right. What are, are those the five steps or are these additional sure. five steps? No, those are, the, those are the five steps. And within the five steps, I really wanted this to be very, very practical and very specific. So all in all, and, and this may sound overwhelming, it's not, there are 23 separate strategies spread through those five steps that you can use to, um, to, to have deepen in this process. And the reason there's so many in there is because I realize that not everyone is going to be at the same stage of their process. So you may look through the book and go, well, uh, this makes sense to me. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to pick strategy three, seven, 12, 21, uh, and then maybe I'll go back and do 16. Uh, it really is a modular system that you can adapt to your situation, to your personality, to your goals and ambitions. Uh, and uh, uh, and there's, there's something in there really for everyone to craft their own system. And, and at the end of the book, what I do in the appendix is I, I – put together a kind of a sample three-month sequence that pulls from all 23 strategies, uses, I think, probably about 10 of them, and uh, gives you an idea of what a real practical process works like. And this is kind of the process that I use with my clients. Yeah, and you can, uh, for my listeners, the, the book is really well laid out. Um, there are some actual worksheets in the book themselves, but... Um, you also can get those off of uh, John's website. Are the worksheets that are at the website, are they the same ones that are in the book too as well? The same ones in the book. Uh, it's a little bit of a tease. I think you, know, you can certainly download the worksheets. It gives you an idea of, of, of how my mind works and how the, the, the book is laid out. But to, to really understand what the worksheets are and how to use them, uh, you got to read the book. All right. Well, uh, for anybody out there who's listening and who is currently thinking about reinventing themselves or leaving a job or currently in the process of trying to figure out what to do next, um, I'd highly recommend that you check out John's website and get in touch with him. It's very easy. Or order the book on Amazon. We'll have links uh, at this uh, blog entry for the podcast. We'll also have links uh, to a couple of his interviews that he's done, including TEDx. 
You can also download a free chapter of the book, uh, which is at his website as well. And that website is Boomer Reinvention. That's B-O-O-M-E-R-R-E-I-N-V-E-N-T-I-O-N.com. You can check John out there. Um, you can look at the accolades from the people that have not only read this book, but know John as well. John, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth and spending a little bit of your time informing our listeners uh, about how to reinvent themselves. More importantly, I think how to look at it from the inside out. That's the most important thing. Thanks, Greg. It's been a pleasure. 